Amen. Amen. If you would, uh, please stand as we have the reading of uh, our scripture this morning, Acts chapter 13, verses uh, 42 through 49, as we close our series of messages on the rest of the story. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, yes, it is a glorious day, an opportunity to gather as your people to open up your word and receive your blessing, your love and divine truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Beginning in verse 42. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak f- further about the things on the next Sabbath. When the congregation was dismissed, me- many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and talked abusively against what Paul was saying. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord had commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord, and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread through the whole nation. Amen. You may be seated. In Erwin McManus's book about the church entitled An Unstoppable Force, he made a statement that made me uh, just stop in my tracks. And let me read a little portion of this. The indictment that we must receive is that the Christian faith, as we express it, is no longer seen as a viable spiritual option. Massive, masses gave the church a try and left wanting. We accuse them of not being willing to surrender to God. They accuse us of not knowing him. People are rejecting Christ because of the church. Once we were called Christians by an unbelieving world. And now we call ourselves Christians, and the world calls us hypocrites. Is it possible that it wasn't the nation becoming dangerously secular, but the church? We were neither relevant nor transcendent. We have become, in the worst ways, religious. We are the founders of the secular nation. (laughs) Wow, what a comment. I mean, what an image he's giving us. Because I believe Pastor McManus may be placing his finger on where the problem lies. I want you to understand, as a pastor, I truly believe that the world is drawn to Jesus Christ. I believe that. As we witness millions who went to see the movie, The Passion of Christ. And the millions that viewed the series called The Bible. And the millions that are currently viewing The Chosen. And there has been several Christian movies finding strength in movie theaters in recent years. People want to hear about Jesus. Because they're there. They're viewing. They're listening. They're watching. But the world is often put off by the church. Why? Why is that? Could it be that the, gospel, that the gospel has lost its place in the everyday life of believers? 
Maybe. Could it be that the church has shrunk to the concept of the gospel down to a small set of beliefs focused primarily on the afterlife and no practical effect on our daily lives? Could it be that the church neglects to live out the greater story of Jesus and understand this, we're all a part of it. There's a greater story. I truly believe we should take an honest look as to why this is happening in churches. Are we fulfilling the mission and the purpose of the church? Or have we missed it in some very significant way? I can't help but think how the purpose of the church today looks drastically, drastically different than it did in the first century. Totally different. Scripture says in our text, the word of the Lord spread through the whole region, the whole area. Are we turning people to Christ or are we turning them away from him? Now, that's a very uncomfortable question. I think that we all need to answer, that we all need to face in our life. So to answer that question, we must ask ourselves this. The purpose of it all. What is it? The purpose of it all. And then examine ourselves to see if we are fulfilling that purpose that God has given us. And we all have a purpose. In our text this morning, in verses 42 through 49, I see at least three purposes of the church that I want to highlight this morning. And the first one is this. We are to become a faith-centered community. We are to be a faith-centered community. So let's begin with the word community. We're not called to be a group of individuals who happen to meet here on Sunday morning and otherwise after that we just lead our own lives and do our own thing. No. That's not community. We are called to be a community. The church is to be a community. We do not live just for ourselves and our families. We, the church, understand this. While the body of Christ, we, the church, live for and with each other. We share a common love for God and a common love for others. And we should do it in community. We are the church. We have a common goal of modeling the Christian life for the world and attracting others to God. That's what we're to do. Watch this. We were once individuals who have now become a community. That's what a church is. And we're becoming more of a community with, community with the passing of time as time goes on. We are a church community. We're to live for Christ, and we are to live for each other. That's church. I mean, it does something to you. Think about this. When you realize that these people, look around. Look at who you're sitting next to. Those that may be viewing online, or those couldn't, couldn't be here today. It does something to you when you realize that these may be the people whom you will spend eternity with. And I know what you're, th wait a minute, I know what you're thinking. Some of you are thinking this. Steve, understand this. There are some people that I don't want to spend eternity with. <laughs> right? 
All I can say to that is that there may be, they may be thinking the same thing about you. Right? But seriously, you and I are part of the spiritual family with God as our Father. That's who He is. So if you think you can be a Christian by yourself, hear me. If you think you can be a Christian without yourself, without communi- uh, by yourself and without community and your spiritual family, understand this. You're sadly misguiding uh, yourself according to the Word of God. The Word of God doesn't say that. Christianity is not an individual thing. God's Word says in Romans chapter 12, you do not belong to yourself, but to the body of Christ. You don't belong to yourself anymore. You belong to the body of Christ. What is the body of Christ? The church. The church. You're the family of God. We can never fully have a relationship with others unless we are fully committed to God. Understand that. And we can never be fully committed to God unless we're part of a faith community. It's that important. It's the design of God. But this church community is nothing if it is not a believing community. A believing, trusting community in God. In our text, it said the very people who were supposed to believe the message rejected it. They walked away from it. Look at verse 46. We have verse 46 we can put on the screen. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. We had to speak to the word of, the word of God to you first, speaking of the Jews. Uh, since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. Why did Paul always go to the Jews first? Because they were the community that were supposed to believe the message and live it out in the world from day one. Instead, the Jewish leaders, they rejected the word. They fought against it. They didn't reject the message because they didn't understand it, because if they really sat down, they understood it. It was because of their jealousy that everyone was being drawn to Paul and Barnabas and the message that they had come to bring, and that upset them. It made them angry. The interesting truth in this passage that we read in Acts 13 is that the people who were supposed to believe the message didn't. And the people who were not supposed to believe did. Very interesting. How is the world going to believe the gospel if we, the church, act as though we don't believe it ourselves? That's a good statement, right? How is the world going to believe the gospel if we, the church, act as though we don't believe it either? We don't believe it ourselves. If we're not excited about what God has done and is doing and be changed about it, How's anyone else? When we are a faith-centered community, we can believe God even when he's leading us in new directions. And most of us don't like new directions, do we? When we are a faith-centered community, we can believe God even when he leads us in new directions. We are a faith-centered community 
We can believe God for the supernatural. We believe God for the big things, the great things. Do you believe God for the big things? I hope so. That's who our God is. When we are the, a faith-centered community, we're committed to the idea that there's nothing that God cannot do because God can do all things. And when that happens, people are drawn to God. Now, the second purpose of the church, we are to become a God-centered community. Not only faith-centered, but God-centered. And this is so important to grasp because it gets to the root of what ails us as the church today. The purpose of it all, okay? The purpose of it all. It's not about you. It's not about me. The Christian life is not about God doing things for you and answering all your prayers. It's not. Being the church is not about getting your way and having people take care of you. It's not. Our central focus is on God. His will, His heart, and His desires. A God-centered community focuses on God. His will, His heart, His desires. When we focus on the Lord, we focus on His will for us and the entire world. That's how it works. This is where we get our reason for being. That we focus on God and His will for us and working through the church, His will then is applied to the world. And in his book, In an Unstoppable Force, McManus said this. He said, the real tragedy is not that the churches are dying, but that churches have lost their reason to live. In Acts chapter 13, we see a dying synagogue that has lost its purpose and therefore has lost its reason to live. The Jewish leaders have missed the heart of God. And what's the heart of God? Lost people. <laughs> when people began to gather to hear the words of Paul and Barnabas, these leaders in this community, they were jealous, they were angry, frustrated, because they were content. I want you to watch this. They were content where they were. This is the way we like it. This is the way we want it. Watch this. They were content with their own little group. They had missed their mission because their focus was on themselves and not on God. God's heart was for the lost people in that community. As he, his desire and his heart is for the lost people in Wallingford, Connecticut. Yes, he loves his church, but understand this. He loves the lost people. And he wants his church to share the gospel. When a church loses their focus on God and begins to focus on self, understand this, you will find that self is not an important enough reason to live. 
even if we get our way. It's ultimately not satisfying, is it? Because we always want something more. You can never come to the end of the things that you want and you desire. Doing life your way, doing life my way becomes very difficult, very destructive, and very dysfunctional. Life becomes unfulfilling, unfulfilling when it's all about us. But center yourself around God, what happens? You'll find that some of the greatest longings of your, of your heart are being met. And that's so true. I discovered that many years ago. You will find God making you a new person and a new community. When we focus on God, we will realize that it's not all about getting our needs met as a group. But it's about doing his will. And doing, doing it with passion, doing it with commitment, doing it wholeheartedly. It changes your life. And when we are a community centered on God, it has this e e enormous, powerful effect on other people. They'll look around and they'll say, what is it that the church of Wallingford has? I want some of that. The third purpose of the church, we are to become a world-centered community. Let me explain that. Historically, historically, when the church recognized it was multiplying by large numbers, the church discovered it had, you know what? We have a little power, even political power. Then they could use or utilize their influence. And so it began to focus on itself. Watch where I'm going with this because we see it. And because of this, it began, the church began to focus on itself and do the things that would benefit and prosper the church. That's happening today. Churches all over this country. The church has become an institution rather than a movement. That's just a fact. We began to have a fortress mentality when we were intended to be renovation, transformation, renewal. We're the opposite. The bureaucracy, the government of the church began to be more important than the original mission. You ever notice that? Listen to most discussions in the churches. It's political. Church rules, guidance, directions, ordinances. Self-written laws. The bureaucracy, the government of the church began to be more important than the original mission. And what is our mission? Let me take you to two scriptures. Mark 16, go into the world and preach the good news to all creation. Matthew 28, we know it well. I speak of it often. 
Therefore, going to make the disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. That's our mission. Our focus is not to be our focus is not to be preserving the church, but reaching the world. That's our focus. When we're reaching the world, God takes care of all the other things. Our focus must be reaching the world, the world around us, the community that we live, the places that we go, the lives that we interact with. We're not here to promote our own well-being. We're not here to promote our pleasures and plans or, or drop ideas in a suggestion box in the back of a sanctuary. We're here to fulfill the purposes of God and only the purposes of God. That's it. So what does all this involve? This involves dying to self in order that we might come alive in God. That's what God saved us for. In order that we might be alive for God. We're called to be a servant, a servant of God. And to be a servant of God, we must serve other people. We must serve other people. Someone once said, you cannot wash the feet of a dirty world if you refuse to touch it. It is in serving that the church finds her strength. When the church ceases to or refuses to serve the world around her, she begins to waste away. I shouldn't have to say any more. The story has been told about a church member in the 1940 uh, Germany where this church was located near uh, the train tracks that carried the Jews to their death. Listen to this church member. These were his words. True story. Each Sunday morning, we could hear the whistle in the distance and the wheels coming over the tracks. We became disturbed when we heard the cries coming from the train as it passed by. We realized that it was carrying Jews like cattle in the train cars. Week after week, the whistle would blow. We dreaded to hear those wheels because we knew that they, uh, we would hear the cries of the Jews en route to a death camp. Their screams tormented us. We knew the time the train was coming, and when we heard the train whistle blow, we began singing hymns. By the time the train came past our church, we were singing at the top of our voices. If we heard the screams, we sang even louder and soon heard them no more. Years have passed, and no one talks about it much anymore, but I still hear that train whistle in my sleep. I can still hear people crying out for help. God forgive all of us who called ourselves Christians, yet did nothing to intervene. True story. And here we sit. Here we sit in this beautiful building. We sing our songs, we eat our food, enjoy our fellowship, and not walk out these doors into the mission field with a vision, hearing the call, and answering it. Is that what the church is all about? Truthfully, is that what the church is all about? In Acts chapter 13, verse 47, Paul reminded the Jews of God's word through the Isaiah, uh, 
the prophet Isaiah. Let's look at verse 47 again. I've got it here. Verse 47. He said, For this is what the Lord has commanded us. And he's quoting uh, Isaiah here. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. These Jewish people were to be the light of the world. They were to embody the word and the laws of God. They were to model, uh, be the models of life of God and be torch barriers of light of God. That was what they were there for. The Israelites were not chosen people because they were some special people, but because they had a, spirit, uh, excuse me, a special purpose in the plan of God. That's why. That's who the Israelites are. God could have chose any group, but he chose the Israelites. Not because they were special, not because he liked them better. In his sovereignty, he chose the Israelites because he had a special purpose and a plan in place for God's purpose. God's purpose for the church is to be found in the purpose of Israel. Let me repeat that. God's purpose for the church is to be found in the purpose of Israel. We are to be those who hold uh, the laws and the word of God in sacred trust. But we're not to keep them for ourselves. We're to share them with the world. Give it away. We are to be the model of the word of God by the way we live as individuals and as a community that we call church. If we as a church do not do this, understand this, God will find someone who will, as he did in this passage. Okay, we shared the word with you, now we're going to the Gentiles. We'll find someone else. And the church began, began that vessel for God of sharing the gospel message, being the people of God. When the Jews refused to believe and respond to the good news, then Paul and Barnabas then, uh, through their prompting of, uh, of the Holy Spirit, they went to the Gentiles. They went to the communities. They gathered people and built churches. And the Scripture tells us, they, in our text, they being the Gentiles, were glad and honored the Word of God. They were glad. Now we're going to honor the Word of God. God has made us to be a light and to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Wherever we walk, wherever we speak, wherever we live, we are to share as a church, as Christians, the Word of God. And it all begins right here in Wallingford, Connecticut. But we can't be a light when we're hiding under a bushel or behind these walls, right? True story. A group of Christians went on a mission trip to Honduras, to a small church in Honduras, to distribute and teach local churches how to use e-cubes. I don't know if you're familiar with those. Which tell the story of Jesus with pictures. And they were formed into little cubes. 
they presented these e-cubes to a particular little church, and after the church learned how to unfold the cube and share the gospel message with other people, one man stood up in the congregation and he said these words. He goes, we can do this. Most of us can't read, but there are no printed words, so all of us can do this. We're going out into our community and rob the devil's kingdom of souls he has been holding in captivity and bring them to Jesus. I want to ask you a question. How does this Honduras man get it? When millions of Christians in the United States with all kinds of education and resources don't get it. Good question, right? How does this man in the small Honduras church get it when people trained in theology and who are leaders in mainstream churches don't get it? How does this Christian man in Honduras get it? when Christians in our community don't get it? There can only be one answer, and only one answer. We're obviously overlooking the Word of God. We're overlooking the obvious. It's right before us. Listen, church, nothing has changed. Nothing's changed. God's Word hasn't changed. It will not change. The message of the gospel hasn't changed. It will not change. People haven't changed. And their need for its Savior hasn't changed. The need is still there. The beauty of Christianity is that believers have been redeemed for a reason. They have been saved for a reason. Right? You've been saved for a reason. Converted to a cause and saved to serve God. Do we understand that? Here's the bottom line God desires servants, not superstars, not sponsors, not consumers. Servants. You know, some of us, spiritually, just eat and run. We come on Sundays and try to get something out of it, but then we're gone until next Sunday or some future Sunday next. This whole 21st century church idea and concept would be foreign to the early church would make no sense to the early church. I want you to think honestly. For the years that you've been a member of the church body of Christ, and be honest about this, the 21st century idea and concept of church is totally foreign to what God lays out. They're on different pages. Several years ago, someone asked Billy Graham why he was trying to set the church back 100 years with his evangelistic 
Crusades, right? And here's how Billy Graham responded. 100 years? Well, excuse me. I was trying to set you back 2,000 years. Billy Graham nailed it on the head. He's speaking truth. I'm trying to send you back where it began and how it's done. It just seems to me that if we are to be the church that is on mission, we must realize that it is later than it's ever, uh, ever been before in history. Now, we must look back 2,000 years ago when Jesus gave the Great Commission to be on mission with him. Do you think that command of Jesus has changed? No, it hasn't changed. That's what the church is to do. Make disciples, teach them, train them in the word, in the things of God. So I'll close with this. As I have Sonia come up and play. So here's my question as I close. And I'll leave you with this. Are we fulfilling the purpose? Or as a church, have we lost the reason to live? Ponder on that for a week or two. Are we fulfilling the purpose? Or have we as a church lost reason to live? So as Sonia plays... I'm going to ask you to respond to how God is speaking to you this morning. God is always working. He's always speaking if we would just listen. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit, acting and moving within the church body. The Spirit of God is speaking to someone today here, a family, maybe online, those that may be viewing. God is speaking to you. He's calling you to be on mission, to be the church that he's called you to be. So let us pray and then respond as God has called you. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the message you have for us today from Acts chapter 13. Sharing the rest of the story with us, sharing your truth. Lord, speak specifically to your people here in Wallingford, Connecticut, FBC, those that are viewing and listening online, speak to them specifically, give them a word, give them guidance. Most important, Lord, assure them of their salvation. May your truth ring loudly and boldly as we end this service today. And may your church stand up and be the church you've called us to be. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So please stand. Respond to how God's calling you. She continues to play.